Son, the Holy Spirit, one God. Amen. Now, on Wednesday, we uh, celebrated the Feast of the Apostles, Kulisanat uh, Taibin. And the next few weeks uh, kind of revolves around this concept of the apostles and of service. Um, and today's gospel is, is nice. Um, I'll read it to you. It says, at that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? So we'll just kind of start with that question. And right off the bat, this reveals something to us about the apostles and their relationship with Jesus. And it's one that the church wants to highlight for us and wants us to emulate in our own lives. It gives us insight into their heart. And the gospel preserved this little nugget for us. And it's something to, to gain, to learn from. So first, let's kind of evaluate the question itself. It's wonderful that the apostles were thinking about the heavenly kingdom. They didn't get together and ask him about the worldly kingdom. They didn't ask him, you know, Lord, how can I be successful in life? How can I manage career and spiritual life? How do I make sure my kids are good? How do I work on my marriage? How do I, you know, attain success in life? They, they didn't ask him about the earthly things. They asked him about the heavenly things. And that's nice. And that's the first thing that we learn from this is that's what we should be talking to, to Christ about is the heavenly things. And, and they're following what Jesus said when he said, Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added to you. So they were, they were kind of following what he told them to do, which is seek the kingdom of God first. And here we see some growth, right? Because we know that on many other occasions, you'd see the apostles bickering among themselves over who's the greatest and who's the best and who's the leader. And, you know, this, it's nice to see them focusing on the kingdom of heaven. But the second thing is that they asked Christ. And this meant that Christ is their teacher. And that's very important. I'll say that again. They went to him directly and asked him directly. And it teaches us that Christ teaches us all things. And every little thing that, come, every little thing that comes to our heart, we present it to Christ. And they were open and they constantly presented their thoughts and feelings to him. Like, this is what's in my heart, and they just would share it. And they wanted the answer directly from him. And this is important in our spiritual lives. Our goal is not to be connected with the Bible, but with the God of the Bible. Our goal is not to be connected with the church, but with the God of church, with the hymns, with the rituals. Don't focus on the thing. Focus on the God behind the thing. And he's the source. And so they wanted to know who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. So they just asked him directly. And I wonder how often in our lives we just do that. We just ask directly and focus on that relationship with Christ. And, and sometimes even asking silly questions. It's okay to ask silly questions. And when we look around and we see ourselves as a flock, as a bunch of sheep, and we're walking Sometimes we, we kind of have this temptation to view church as a, as a bunch of rules, right? It's a place where, you know, it's a lot of like sheepdogs running around, like don't go here, don't do this, don't say that, don't, you know, don't, don't act in these other ways. And it's, it's like the church is, is sheepdogging us and hurting us a certain way. 
And then we as sheep, we start to kind of just follow the sheepdogs. And we're like, well, where, where, what am I supposed to do? How many hours am I supposed to fast? What am I supposed to do right now? What are the rules? But that's not what Jesus told us to do. He said, I am the good shepherd and the sheep know my voice and they hear my voice and they know it's me. And so sometimes we don't encourage each other enough to just look up at the shepherd. Right? Why are we so focused on all the rules and all of the sheepdogs and all the places we're supposed to go and not go? The shepherd's right there. Just look up and follow him. And even if you go astray, don't worry. The shepherd is the one who's going to go after you. And he's going to find you. And he'll leave the 99 to go after you. And so occasionally I think we get caught up a little bit too much in just not looking up at Christ. And just saying, what do you want me to do? How should I act right now? Where do you want me to go? And sometimes it's as simple, instead of looking around and trying to figure out what turf I'm on and what terrain I'm on and, and where I should be and how, just look up and, 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 and listen for his voice. And so we see the disciples doing just that. They just, they want to talk to him. Tell me, I have a question. Answer my question for me. And so they had this very direct relationship with him. And as adults, we don't always have this in our hearts. We don't open up to the wisdom of God, especially when we gain the wisdom of the world. I mean, when I become a man of prestige, I get a degree, I get my, my doctorate, my PhD, my medical degree, whatever the case may be, you know, all of a sudden, you know, I have some cachet, I have some prestige, you know, and, and I don't want people to talk to me a certain way. In fact, if someone says something to me condescending or insulting, I'll even reply, what do you think, I'm a kid? You talking to me like a child, right? Why? Because I got an ego, right? I, the world has, has made me into something, and now I don't accept you to just give me an answer. But the disciples weren't embarrassed to ask like we're embarrassed. They're kind of like children. You know, a kid will just say whatever's on their mind, and we've all had these wonderful experiences where kids walk up to us and say things incredibly embarrassing. Um, one time, uh, Charlie, uh, Janet's kid, just walks up to me and, you know, in front of a lot of people, goes, where did your hair go? I'm like, whatever, kid. All right, so kids do that, and it's wonderful. It's whatever's on their hearts, and they just say it. Well, these ap adult apostles were kind of like that, and they were like that with Christ. Whatever's on the inside just comes out. Hey, Jesus, who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And even, the, even though the question was focused on heaven, it wasn't the greatest question, right, was it? Who's the greatest? And they've done this a lot, right, where they ask about who's the best, who, you know, who should be in the primal position, and even, you know, can, can James and John be at your right and left hand in the kingdom, right? There's just a little bit of this showy pecking order stuff. So it's not a great question, but they still asked it anyway. And the Lord picked up on this beautiful characteristic, Right? Now imagine, so the Lord said, and he brought up a child. Now imagine for a moment, imagine for a moment if he'd brought up Ambetoedros. Right? He said, now look, you know, you want to know who's the greatest king of heaven? Come up here, Sayyidina. Look at this man. He's got a PhD, he's got medical degrees, he's got uh, seminary degrees, he's got a long beard. You know, he's been in the, in the monastery for 20 years as a monk. Look at this guy. He's amazing. Right? And we all look and go, wow, that guy's really amazing. But he didn't do that, did he? Right? He did just exactly the opposite. Right? 
So imagine, Emmanuel, can you come up here? And I just say, you guys want to be great? Turn around, look at the crowd. This is Emmanuel. And I say, just be like Emmanuel. Now look how Emmanuel's looking at you. He has no idea what's going on. He's just deer in headlights, right? And he's just staring like, why is the bald man doing this to me? All right, you can go back now, Emmanuel. Now, when I brought up Emmanuel, thank you, Emmanuel. When I brought up Emmanuel, it has two different reactions, right? So what Jesus said is he called up a little child, placed the child among them and said, truly I say to you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, the first thing I want to notice really quickly is Christ almost never talks like this. This was harsh, right? Jesus never says, unless you will never. This was a condition. Unless you become like this child, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. He didn't talk like that. He would say, blessed are those who do this, and it's really nice to do that. He was really sweet. But with this one, he made it a condition. And he, so it's serious, right? You have to be like this kid. Otherwise, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. And it's strong language. And when he does this, it gives us two different perspectives. The, the two thoughts I have when, when I bring up a child like that is, this is easy. I can do this, right? Being, going to heaven must be simple, which it is. It is simple. It can't be too complicated, right? In fact, if you want to teach someone how to do it and you want to encourage them, what do you say? It's easy. Even a child can do it, right? And that's how we encourage people. So if he brings up a little child, look, the little kid can do it. You go, hey, I can do it. If you brought up Embetoedros, I'd be like, well, you know, maybe I can't do all those things. But you bring up a kid, I say, yeah, I can, I can do that. And that's encouraging. And sometimes we just overly complicate Christianity. We make it about theology and doctrines and rules and rituals and knowledge and, and, oh, I don't know how to do this and I don't know if I did this right or if I don't know if I can. And then sometimes I just think about simple Christianity, like the right-hand thief. And, you know, I, I kind of can't wait to go to heaven if I get in and, and see the right-hand thief and ask him what it was like when he got to heaven. What did the angel who greeted him say to him? You can imagine the angel saw him and go, how did you get in? Right? Did you go to any Bible studies? Like, no. Did you learn any theology? No. Did you learn any hymns? No. Did you serve anybody? No. In fact, did you fast? No. Did you pray? No. In fact, you know, if you read the gospel account, he and the, the left-hand thief were open, mocking Christ just like a little bit before this. Right? The two of them were mocking Christ. What do you know about the doctrine of sanctification? Nothing. What do you know about myophysites um, and, and diaphysites and the nature of Christ? And nothing. Do you know any Greek? No. Do you know about the Trinity? No. And so on what basis are you here? How did you get in if you don't know anything and you didn't do anything and I imagine that the right-hand thief would just say, the man on the middle cross said I could come. And that's it. It's that simple. The man on the middle cross said I could come. And I imagine that's what a child would say. My dad said I can be here. 
So I'm coming. And so the first thing is that childlike simplicity in Christianity is sometimes something we lose. It is that simple. It is what my dad says. And it's really, that's it. But then the second thing, the part for me, when I see a child like him, is I think becoming a child is not easy at all. Especially after what the world did to me. You see, the world has hardened all of us, and I'm talking to the adults now. It's made us bitter. It's given us pain. It's given us trauma. The world has hurt us in so many ways. It's made, it a, made us jaded. It made us resentful. And so becoming a child is hard. It's a lot of work. In fact, I can even say it's impossible. I can never be that simple again. I can never be like Emmanuel again. I can't be like after a, a child after I know what it's like to be an adult. I can't have that simplicity. I just know too much. I can't have innocence. I've heard too much. I've seen too much. I can't be trusting of others. I've been burned too many times. I can't be that loving. I've been rejected one too many times. And so what is it to become a child? What does that mean? How do I become a child again? First thing, I have to ask God to make me into a child. Being a child is a gift. Last week, uh, Abuna Krilus gave this amazing sermon on meekness. And one of the things he talked about meekness is it's a gift. It's not something you can work towards. It's something given to you. And so ultimately, everything good from God is a gift, including becoming like a child. The second way to become like a child is first to ask God for it. And then the second thing is to act like one. How do you act like a child? Well, should I annoy my parents for every little thing? Should I rely on my parents for all my needs? Do I cry and run to my parents everything, something, every time something goes wrong? Yeah, do that. Annoy your parents. Cry to them every time something goes wrong. Run to them whenever you don't get your way. And that's what Jesus taught us. He said when he, when he went to go teach the disciples, he started with, say, our Father. And as soon as he said that, he changed all the rules. Because when he said, you call me dad, it created a relationship that had been any, unlike anything that the Old Testament had ever seen. He developed a whole different way of thinking, a completely different perspective on God, a new relationship. Because I want you to think about the Pharisees and the way the Pharisees acted, and we're so quick to judge the Pharisees. But the Pharisees were just doing what God told them, right? I mean, the Pharisees were doing it right. They were doing what God told them. And Christ came along to say, no, that's not who I am. And it's true, you can do everything right and be so wrong. St. Faustina has this wonderful quote. She says, when I see that the burden is beyond my strength, I do not consider or analyze it or probe into it. And believe me, this can really, I can really relate to this. When the burden is beyond my strength, we've all been in that position. She says, I don't consider or analyze or probe into it, but I run like a child to the heart of Jesus and say only one word to him, you can do all things. She runs like a child, and then I keep silent, she says, because I know that Jesus himself will intervene in the matter. And as for me, instead of tormenting myself, which is something I do, I use that time to love him. 
So she runs to Christ, she dumps it on Christ, and then she uses the time to love him. And that carefree attitude is one children have. I want you to imagine a time when you're walking and holding your dad's hand or your mom's hand, and you're just carefree. You know, when you're a child and you're walking and you're holding your dad's hand, you're not really paying attention to the road. You're not watching out for dogs. You don't care about cars. You don't even know where we're going. You're just walking, right? And I want you to remember a moment when your parent let go of your hand unexpectedly. And you just kind of look up like, oh, where am I? What's happening? Where am I going? Is there anything that's going to hurt me? Right? And as soon as we let go of God's hand, that's the feeling we have. But when we're holding God's hand, nothing matters. Nothing bothers me. There's nothing he can't overcome. Okay, so the hard part is dismissing my dignity. Is it possible to be like a child when I'm old? Can I become a child and simple when I've lived a long life, when I've had status, I've got jobs, I've got degrees, I have money, I have power, I have prestige. I mean, people, you know, talk to me a certain way, right? And we don't want to give up our dignity or our cachet or our image. I've been doing this a long time. But Jesus doesn't give this instruction lightly. It's not out of the blue. It's not random. I want you to think with me. Can you think of someone who was very old, but seemed very young? Think with me. Who was very old, but seemed very young? Who was before all ages, and then yet became a child in the world? It's Christ. And so when Christ says, become like a child, who's he saying? To become like him. He's not telling us to do something he hasn't done. In fact, any dignity you decide to give up is nothing compared to the dignity that Christ gave up, right? And we, we do this in the church. We make these little hints, right? Like on Palm Sunday, we all, we're all fixated on the donkey, right? Jesus rode on a donkey. Isn't he humble? Isn't he nice? He could have come on a horse. He could have come on a chariot, but he came on a donkey. And then the church tries to remind you, right? Don't focus on the donkey. What does the church say over and over and over again in the hymns? He who sits above the cherubim came riding on a donkey. Like, don't forget who this guy is, right? It's not about the donkey. He was on the cherubim before this. The dignity he gave up is unimaginable. So when he says, become like a child, he's giving you just a little glimpse and like, hey, be like me. I gave up a lot too. No one knew who I was either. I took all my dignity and threw it away. And not only did I throw away the dignity of God, I threw away the dignity of, a hum of humanity. I came as a homeless guy. I was born in a manger, right? Foxes have holes, but the Son of Man has no place to rest his head, right? I gave it all up as well. You can too. And the way you do it is you hold my hand and we do it together, just the way I did. And this virtue is so important because otherwise we become very puffed up. And so one of the nice things about kids is they know everything comes from God, from their parents, right? So if I took a kid and, I, and he has a hundred bucks, I took a manual and Emmanuel's holding a hundred dollar bill and I say, Emmanuel, where'd you get this from? What's Emmanuel going to say? My dad gave it to me, right? My mom gave it to me. But if I asked his dad, John, I said, hey, John, where'd you get the hundred bucks? He'll like, I worked for this. 
I worked hard. I deserve this. I put in hours. I went to school. I did training. Let me tell you about me. And he would answer in the first person because John's that kind of arrogant guy. <laughs> but a child doesn't answer in the first person. The child answers in the third person. And so someday when we're on the, on the, on the when, we, when we pass on from this world and we go to heaven and the angel says, why should I let you in? And you say, well, because I fasted and I served the poor and I came to church and I gave of my time and I, I, I. Well, as soon as you're answering the question with I, you've missed the point. You have to answer in the third person. That's because he gave me. He loved me. He sacrificed for me. And that's the way kids answer questions. It's all about their parents, right? In fact, kids will boast about their dad. My dad can beat up your dad. Right? Kids boast about their parents and they talk in terms of the, what does your parents do and my dad does this and my mom does that. That's the way kids think. They're only thinking about their parents. They're not thinking about themselves. Right? And that's why we have to become like a child. So someone says, hey, you do this really well. You're like, my dad gave me that. My dad gave me this gift. My dad helped me get here. My dad did all of it, in fact. And that's what it's like to become a child. All right, so the last thing I'll say is one of the nice characteristics about kids is they never stop moving towards their parents as long as their parents keep loving them. And even sometimes when a kid does something wrong, like I don't know if you've ever seen this, a kid will have done something wrong and messed up and they'll run to their parents because they feel so guilty about what they did. Like, you know, I broke my, my mom's favorite vase and I feel so bad about it and I know my mom's going to get me in trouble and she's going to get mad at me for breaking the vase, but I go to her for comfort. And she, he, she runs, he, he'll run to his mom and say, Mom, I broke the vase and want comfort from their mom. And that has to be us. We have to keep following the shepherd's voice. We have to keep looking up we have to stop looking down and looking if we're not we're following the rules and we're doing it the right way. We have to look up at Christ and walk behind him. And every time we mess up, and believe me, we all do quite a bit, unless you're an archdeacon and you don't, then we keep messing up. We just have to keep getting back up over and over again. So I'll read you this last quote from St. Therese. She says, Imagine that a father has two children who have been naughty, I can't relate to that. And disobedient. And that when he comes to punish them, he sees one who runs away in terror, knowing in his heart that he deserves to be punished. And that his brother instead throws himself into his father's arms, telling him he's sorry and he's displeased him and he loves him and he will prove it and will be good from now on. So you've got two kids, they both messed up, you go to punish them, one of them runs away from you in terror, and the other one throws their arms around you and says, I'm so sorry, I love you. I believe that the father's happy heart will not be able to resist his son's filial trust, since he knows his sincerity and love. Yet he also knows that his son will fall into the same faults again, but he's always ready to forgive him if his son always appeals to his heart. May the Lord grant us this heart, 
and hopefully we can be like children again with our Father. And glory be to God forever. Amen.